but instead he pushes them to sin by killing him so that way he can work his righteousness by forgiving sin. He's, he's like playing 3D chess while everyone else is playing checkers, like trying to stay in the law, but he's up here on a totally different level to force their hand. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Both of Luther House of Studies co-directors, Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson, are back as Adam Curie and I ask them about the Pharisees' biggest attempt at trapping Jesus in the law. Over the last few weeks, we've heard several examples of the Pharisees attempting to slander, discredit, or just plain shut Jesus up. But in this week's passage, we see them attempt to set the biggest trap yet. In this well-known text, the Pharisees ask Jesus if he thinks it is lawful to pay taxes to the emperor. At first glance, Kiri, Adam, and I point out that this seems like an anticlimactic question for being the end-all, be-all trap for the Son of God. However, Dr. Krogan and Sarah explain how the Pharisees believed this would be the perfect trap in the law. On one hand, if Jesus says it is lawful to pay taxes to Rome, he immediately alienates himself from the people of Israel, as this was a hot-button issue in the Jewish community at the time. On the other hand, if Jesus says it isn't lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, the Pharisees can directly turn him over to the authorities. But instead of simply answering with one of the two options, or dodging the question by telling a parable, Jesus does something absolutely incredible. He uses the very trap the Pharisees set for him against them to ensure they continue to sin, ultimately in killing him. By trapping them in their sin, it's God's mercy that defeats sin, not the law. We have a great conversation coming right up, but first, here's Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. The question about paying taxes. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere, and teach the way of God in accordance with truth, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us, then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Now on to this week's conversation. (music) 
Welcome back to Scripture First. We have both of our co-directors here, Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan. Thanks for being here, both of you. Great it's to nice be here. to see you guys. Thank you. You too. It's nice to see you, Kiri. Oh, thanks, Mason. Well, now that we're all being friendly and kind. And <laughs> last week we heard friend could be a deceiver, so be careful yeah. about this. Exactly. Friend in Hello, the friend. normal way. Mean friend or heteros? Which one is it? <laughs> But to kick us off, could you, we're walking through Matthew. Could you remind us where we're at in Matthew and the context surrounding this week's text? Yep. So this uh, relatively short text this week is another, um, immediately follows on the heels of last week, which followed immediately on the heels of the week before. So we're just kind of running right through Matthew, continuing to go through Matthew here. This is 22, 15 to 22. And so remember last week... um, I, I said the text was bookended by first um, the Pharisees basically want to arrest Jesus, but they're afraid of the crowds. So they don't say anything. Jesus then goes into that wedding banquet parable. And again, they know he's talking about them in a not good way. Mm-hmm. And then this text is on the back end. It's the very next verses after last week's text stopped. And now we have then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So we're going to unpack today what that attempt to trap Jesus in his own words is. And spoiler alert, it doesn't go well for the Pharisees. An important piece here is Jesus has driven them to do this. This is a key thing is that Jesus is actually forcing their hand, and they now want to kill him because of what Jesus has been doing. So Jesus hasn't been necessarily even just speaking truth to power. He's actually forcing them to go and do what they need to do, which is crucify him. What do you, what do you mean by, by f- like force and driven? Uh, um, when someone thinks that they are good at the law, what you do is you expose them for not being this way, mm-hmm. and then you want to get rid of your accuser. And so this mm-hmm. is exactly what's happening, is he has been showing them how hypocritical they are, how self-interested they are, and in the same breath, he is showing you how not self-preserving he is. Mm-hmm. Because he's not going along just to get along. Mm-hmm. You and know? I do think one of the helpful contrasts to these Week after week, we have the Pharisees trying to trap him. They want to kill him. And Jesus just keeps driving it forward, forward, forward. Contrast that to the people who know they're caught in their sin, dead mm-hmm. in their sin. Yeah. And we have a lot of those examples, women caught in adultery and the, the woman who eating dogs. The dog, yeah, yeah deserves scrap from the tables, yeah. all sorts of things like that. So don't lose sight of the fact that it's people who think they're good at the law that Jesus is, they won't confess their sin. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who literally want to destroy Jesus and his mercy. One of my favorite pieces is, this is not in the text for this week, but not too far after, just a handful of verses after this text, they actually bring in the lawyers who also fail. <laughs> but they say, we're calling in the reinforcement to try to trap Jesus, which is what Chris is getting at that Jesus is just driving them to go to greater and greater lengths, and he's really exposing their own evil, their own idolatry and self-righteousness. Right before we started recording, Mason mentioned how we've just been reading, the, we read these as stories because that's what they are, 
Um, and that kind of waters down the reality of how it was. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, he's just giving parable after parable of how you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And yep. Like, I know as a child with a parent, you know, after you just want to temper tantrum out of there and be like, okay, well, <laughs> we're done. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because <laughs> it's a power struggle. <laughs> yeah. Both with absolutely. parents and children, but also now with Jesus and these people who had status and control of the situation. So you have a power struggle going on here. And they are constantly trying to find their righteousness in the law. And Jesus refuses to even enter that, saying that he's not going to, I mean, he could give this amazing legal rebuttal and totally own them, but he doesn't do that. But instead he pushes them to sin by killing him so that way he can work his righteousness by forgiving sin. He's he's like playing 3D chess <laughs> while everyone else is playing checkers, like trying to stay in the law, but he's up here on a totally different level to force their hand. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is exactly what he does to us. He traps us into betraying him every day. We're no different than the Pharisees. Push comes to shove. We may think we are, which is actually a pretty good sign we're the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So... Jesus is doing the Pharisees exactly what he does to us. And this is why we need to hear sermons at least every week where we are named a sinner, not good at the law, not self-righteous, literally righteous in the self, Mm -hmm. and then forgiven in the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in in verse verse 16, uh, it says, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth, truth. And show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Are they? It's. It sounds as if they're kind of hyping him up a little bit, or they're just uh, praising him. So, um, first, before you answer that, in the very beginning of sixteen, it says that the Pharisees sent their disciples to him. These aren't Jesus's disciples. Mm-mm. They're sending, correct? It's the, right. It's the disciples Kay. of the Pharisees. And then another, the Herodians. So as they can testify to what they're about to show, look, he's against the government. Mm-hmm. He's anti-government. And, and he's trying to, what nowadays they call, speak truth to power, which is exactly opposite of what Jesus is doing here. He's not speaking truth to power. He's not saying, you know, do this. He's actually going to actually expose that that in itself is the problem. These people think they have a power. But what we'll see as he goes through this is with the Herodians, and these people, they're just trying to set this big trap and get everybody against Jesus. But I do, I mean, I think there are some really good, it's easy to jump over that verse that you just lifted up. Uh, I'm not trying to jump over it. No, 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 no I know. No, no, no. But it's easy as we hear <laughs> yeah. it. It's really you, you, easy. You raised it as a good point. You did raise I'm it I'm glad as you a raised it. That, that's what she's saying. <laughs> Poor she's Adam. not trying to say you jumped over it. No. I'm not no, you're, you're not one of the Pharisees. You're not a Herodian. Are you getting trapped in your sin? I know. I yeah. feel like yeah. she's yeah. Adam's like, him. okay, she's going to trap me in the sin. Here we go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you do know me well, but this time I was not trying to do that. But what I wanted to point out is these the words here, like, teacher, we know that you are sincere. In the Greek, that's aletheis, which is true, unconcealed, that which cannot be hidden. Cards on the table face up. Absolutely. Same, in accordance with truth, same word. And you show deference to no one. So um, this actually is 
mello, M-E-L-O, which means you don't have anxiety or concern about what people think about you is another way of saying this or, or thinking about it in the Greek. You just say what true. is yep. and what needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this next one, for you do not regard people with partiality, which as we hear that, we're like, what does that, what exactly does that mean? So in the Greek, it means literally you do not look at the superficial appearance of men. You're not swayed or moved by what looks all shiny and nice on the surface. The mm-hmm. superficial appearance, that's what that means literally. Then they go on to set the trap. But I want, before we get to that part, I'm gonna, I am going to jump ahead now. On verse 17, Jesus says, why are you putting me to the test? We'll go back to that test. You hypocrites. So Jesus recognizes this is actually the attempt of the Pharisees' false sincerity, flattery. Yeah. They, don't, they don't mean a word of what they're saying in you speak the truth, that you show deference to no one, that, you know, that you're not swayed by superficial appearance, when in fact they're really hoping, <laughs> actually we hope you are swayed, and we kind of think you are swayed by superficial. So mm-hmm. when Jesus after they set the traps, calls them hypocrites, he does not mince words. They are being hypocrites, and he knows it, and he's calling a thing what it is. Because they show this partiality. Yep. They're not sincere. They are the ones that are trying to bring influence outside to make people think, oh, so you guys have the power. And they're trying to reduce his effectiveness with the the crowds who keep uh, drawing toward Jesus. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of a, a strange dichotomy too. If if we take the last two weeks, uh, the text, Christ is talking about the kingdom of God. He's referring to the history of Israel, and their question is: Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? It's it's almost as if they're on a different level. Like uh, like they're trying to trap him, but yep. he's he's talking about uh, big things. Yeah, but 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 now they're like. Okay, getting, getting it off of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. find another one who's going to accuse you. Yeah. And to try to get rid of Jesus, yep. yeah. which is what this trap is. So we can actually look at that. That's verse 17. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? So we might hear that and think that seems like a really inconsequential question. And like, that's the best you've got, Pharisees. Is, is it lawful <laughs> to pay taxes to the emperor? But the reason that is a legitimate attempt to trap Jesus is because when they're saying, is it lawful? They're actually talking about the Jewish law, religious law. And the taxes they're required to pay is a Roman imposed tax. The Jews didn't want to have to pay the Roman tax because it marked them as subjects of Rome. So if Jesus answered, yes, it is lawful to pay the tax, it's going to make the Israelites, the Jews, really angry because he's taking a position in that legal debate or fight. If he answered, no, it is not lawful to pay that tax, then they're going to have a very specific charge to take to Pilate and the Roman authorities. And they're going to have something finally they can take to the authorities, the Roman authorities. Hey, look, see what trouble he's causing here do something get rid of him yeah so that makes sense on how 
Because when I first wrote down, what is the significance of this? Because it seems very anticlimactic <laughs> that this is the biggest charge that we can give Jesus. This is the biggest trap we're setting for him over all of these weeks of parables and threats and killing slaves and all sorts of things. And, well, should you pay tax or not? And then Jesus responds, well, give me the, what, what coin are you using to pay tax? And it's like, oh, well, that does not, on the head, that does not seem very dramatic. But when you say it like that, that it's either on, if he agrees, yes, he alienates all the Israelites. And if he says no, He's going to get killed by the government. Which is a thing that Jesus constantly does, and he especially does it when he's standing before um, the chief priests at the trial, is they say, are you the son of God? And what's his answer? He doesn't give them a yes or a no. He doesn't give them an answer in the law. Mm -hmm. He says, well, so you say. Mm -hmm. And so this this is exactly what Jesus does. He forces them to actually answer in the law to convict them as opposed to them give, getting righteousness in his answer mm-hmm. and saying oh yeah okay so we can let you go but sorry they're going to kill you or no we get to kill you because you gave us the answer against god's word and what he's really doing is you may have heard us uh in other podcasts and other contexts talk about um if you answer the question you're conceding there's an argument there that's really what jesus is doing here which is one of the problems with apologetics. If you engage in trying to argue people into faith, you are actually conceding faith is something that can be argued. You're, you're appealing to reason. Yes. Faith is a, a yes. Con- contrary to reason or outside of reason itself. Yeah. And as brilliant as we are, we didn't think of that. This is actually Jesus yeah. <laughs> who, who is actually depicting to us like, don't turn it. Do not concede the argument. Yeah. Which, it's kind of an unfortunate, like, obviously looking at it now, it's an unfortunate but also fortunate situation that he was between a rock and a hard place here. Mm-hmm. And yet he was able to find his way out. Well, the interesting thing is, even in the next verse 18, aware of their malice, malice being evil. In other words, aware of being the one who wants to question God. And put him to the test. And put him to the test, which is, why are you putting me to the test? Was exactly what had happened when Jesus was baptized, and he was taken out into the wilderness and put to the test. Mm-hmm. By whom? The devil. Mm-hmm. And so he recognizes this is an evil move here, trying to put God on trial. Was exactly what happens throughout the Old Testament. People start complaining against God and saying, you know, God, you're not following what you said you would do when God actually is. Same thing here. So he says, hypocrites, you people who think that you are obeying the first commandment and yet you put God on trial. I just think that's cool that, I mean, you said put God on trial and here's Jesus in front of them confirming that he is God. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's saying, why are you putting me to the test? Exactly. When the scriptures say, do not test God. Exactly. This is the intersection where he's no longer hiding anymore. He's like, I am God, I am here. Yep. Absolutely. As he's literally driving the evil forward and he's forcing a confession out of the Pharisees now. And he's going to continue to do that. Is there significance when he said, when he said, show me the coin used for the tax? Right after that, it says, and they brought him a denari- denarius. Denarius. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's significant insofar as they're trying to trap Jesus into kind of taking a side on this, should we pay the tax to the Romans or should we not because we're Jews? And so they give him the Roman coin with the emperor's head on it. So in some way, he actually is tricking them because now they're admitting, okay, here's a Roman coin that we have. So they have a Roman coin as they're trying to trap Jesus into which, you know, pick a side. They've already picked a side, apparently, because they have the coin. So it's significant in that way, but it's even more significant in how Jesus does actually um, identify, or finally those last couple sentences, when he says, so whose head is on that coin? And they, and whose title? And they say it's the emperor's, which it was. And he said, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. Now, for those of us who are older, you might recognize render to Caesar, that which is Caesar's. Mm-hmm. That It's the render to Caesar. Um, that's what this text is. Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. So we can unpack that text too, because that is a fairly common um, little expression that gets lifted out of scripture. Have you all heard it before? Yeah, usually it's a way to uh, use to sep- separate church and state, or that's how uh, uh, they'll, we'll hear it kind of politically or in our modern context, whether that's how Christ is saying that now, that's how I have, have heard it in the past, give therefore to Caesar, uh, or render what to Caesar, to Caesar. Well, the interesting thing that Jesus does here is he says, here, pull out this coin, here's the coin, and this is a human-made image. Mm-hmm. This is a human value. Shine. And so it has no value to God. Mm-hmm. So if a person really wants what they made back from you, go ahead and give it to them. If that's what they consider they're valuable, then you give it. So give it back to Caesar, mm-hmm. what he made, mm-hmm. and just let him, let him own what that's for. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Then give to God what is God's. So it's, in it's, other words, what God made, which is everyone. Yeah, which is, and, and it's actually then give thanks to God for that he continues to sustain you despite or spite of, in spite of this particular coin. So you, this is, coin isn't your identity, but this is a great way of getting at our own hearts. Why do we want to keep little pieces of money that have people's heads on it? And why do we value so much that we have how many of these pieces of money? And what is our identity in? And this is exactly what you know, is happening here is whose title, whose is this? This has nothing to do with God. But I think the other piece of that text, because sometimes that one little sentence can get lifted out, not just separation of church and state, but also Christians extract yourselves from engagement in government or civil uh discourse and you know mm-hmm. go separate yourself but it's it's the opposite what jesus is saying when he says give therefore the emperor things that are the emperors and to god the things that are gods he is actually the, the apostle paul echoes jesus in romans 13 1 when he says let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god mm-hmm. and those that exist have been instituted by god mm-hmm. so that's um Additionally, what Jesus is saying here is that 
you don't have to make an artificial distinction between, it's kind of what Kiri said, between what is God's and what is Caesar's. Because government is part of God's daily bread, actually. Luther mm -hmm. identifies it. Good government is part of God's daily bread. Now, that doesn't mean we justify idolatry, you know, with the little graven image. We name, we name that, and Luther did, that mammon is the biggest idol of all. That's money. Mm -hmm. So that's not what Jesus is saying. It's not what the Apostle Paul was saying. But what they are saying is part of God's gift of good creation is actually good government. Mm -hmm. He does gift us with good government. Just painful for me to say, <laughs> especially in terms of taxes, but that's what he's saying. Um, when we do that, though, when we render to God that which is God's, another way of thinking about that is we attribute to God all good things. We mm -hmm. honor him as God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, giver, merciful, provider of daily bread, which does encompass good weather, good government, friends, family, all these things, that actually is rendering to God what is God's. And the other thing then that happens here is when we get toward the end here, they put Jesus on trial and they end up walking away amazed, silenced, which is always what Jesus does. When you try to catch him in righteousness one way or the other by using the law, it ends up turning on you. So they just, to be thinking that, okay, we got him, we trapped him, we planned this whole thing, and then you end up uh, befuddled. How did he do that? Usually uh, usually if you put someone on trial, the, the, the judge that has the trial has the final word, but you're saying that Christ actually, A, you're not going to put Christ on trial, yeah. <laughs> and he'll have the final word. He actually flips the trial, yeah. which is the amazing thing to watch, is for him to flip this on them and say, See, you people are the ones that are actually being damned here, not me. You trapped yourselves, you trapped yourselves with your own words in the very attempt to trap Jesus. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson for revealing to us just how amazing it is that Jesus saves us in a way we never could have expected. It's not the law. It's not living correctly. He uses our own sin as the way to give us mercy. And we thank God for that. Before we go, it'd be incredibly helpful if you'd write a review of our show. Doing so helps other people find scripture first when they're searching for shows just like it. We really appreciate your help in sharing your experience listening to our conversations. Lastly, all of us at Luther House of Study want to say how much we appreciate you being here to listen to scripture first. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode or support the other mission work Luther House of Study is working on, please visit us at lutherhouseofstudy.org slash donate. We truly appreciate your consideration and support. Thanks again for joining us this week. And a friendly reminder that Jesus forgives your sin. 
We'll see you next time on Scripture First.